You're listening to Season 4, Episode 2. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Shop. I'm so happy to have you back. Today I am kicking off the second episode of Season 4 with a guest episode. I'm speaking with Sasha from Cheeky Zebra, who is a rude and cheeky card publisher and I absolutely love following Sasha over on Instagram. She is so funny and her cards are really funny too so definitely go and follow her if you want some laughs. She's also really brutally honest about things. In this episode she shares exactly what sort of mistakes she's done when it comes to wholesale, how little money she ended up making and she also shares some great advice about Pinterest and growing your business through perhaps those not so talked about ways that versus Instagram and uh, I think that this episode is going to be so informative and great for you all so I'm gonna head straight into the episode as always I love it when you share where you're listening and tag me I'm small underscore business underscore collaborative and um, yeah I'd love to meet you over on Instagram but here's my chat with Sasha Hi Sasha, thank you so much for coming on Let's Talk Shop. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm genuinely really excited to be here. I followed your stories for, they're just the funniest stories ever. I love when you do the like, you know, when people submit things. But before we get into all of that, I would love for you to introduce yourself and your business. Okay, cool. So hi, I'm Sasha. I have a small greeting card business called Cheeky Zebra. Um, and we sell funny and cheeky, what do we sell? Yeah, funny and cheeky greeting cards uh, direct to consumer. That's amazing. And were you always direct to consumer? When did you start your business? Uh, so I started my business back in, you know, I think a lot of business owners have this, you know, when you kind of start it, but you haven't really started it. It's just a hobby. So I think yeah. back in like 2015, it was a hobby. And I think I sold like three cards and then I was doing it throughout work and it started to grow. And then in 2018, when I quit my job to do it full time was probably when I started taking it like seriously. So I'd say probably about two years, almost two years of like doing it. And what did you do before? Uh, I was, I did what all Indian girls do. I did law. So uh, I was doing law. And then I think before that, I was working in the corporate world. Then I like finally decided to, you know, put in it off and use my law degree. And then as soon as I got the opportunity to escape, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to sell rude cards on the internet. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> what did your parents say about that? Um, so it was for me, it's always like my mom's pretty chill. So that was fine. It was more my grandparents. Um, and it was actually really sweet. It got to the point where my granddad was like, you know what, you're clearly not happy. So I'll support you fully. You've got a year. Um, and obviously, if you can't make this into something worthwhile in a year, then you better get your ass back to law. And I was like, deal. <laughs> I love that. And you then really had to make it work. Yeah, like literally, there's no choice. Like, can you imagine being like girls? So obviously, I'd quit law, and I'd been like, "Bye, guys, I'm leaving. Stop my own business, goodbye." <laughs> and then the like the fact that if I had to then go back into that office, like, uh, "Yeah, sorry, didn't work out. Uh, can I come back?" Like, literally, just that terrifying moment was like, "No, you can't. That's just not an option." It probably wasn't your thing. <laughs> 
I think that's probably something to say. My brother actually said this to me the other day. He said he did he there was some kind of personality quiz and he was like, based on what I know about your personality, you're like the worst fit with law. I was like, Oh great. <laughs> well, you were trying to fit into that box, I suppose. Yeah, no, I think I did a fairly good job of it. Um, in the sense of like, you know anyone can like but you know when you just know that it's not it's not a natural fit to your personality, if that makes sense. Yeah, you you weren't yourself probably in that role. You Yeah, it was probably too much had a hideaway of, part of you. Yeah, exactly. And like I spent a lot of time like hiding in a stationary cupboard. Like you know <laughs> you just know like this isn't this isn't what my soul yeah, I think we probably had a few of those in our office. So we, when I was at a publisher, we had a law firm downstairs and there was always the same people of the law people that were in the kitchen a lot. Were they in the kitchen like to escape, do you think? I reckon so. Because <laughs> <laughs> like there's really no reason otherwise to take, you know, 20 minutes to make tea and just wait for the next person to come in to make tea. Yeah, it's definitely a sign that you hate your working life if you spend 20 minutes <laughs> on your <day>. Exactly. <laughs> it is. Um, what do you think was the biggest challenge with starting your business? Um, the biggest challenge? Do you know what? Um, and I don't know if this is a bit of a rubbish answer, but the truth is I don't actually think that starting the business was hard at all. I think the challenge is when it, you realise that you need to seriously take it from something that's, you know, a hobby and quite fun into something that's like, no, I actually need to make money. So I think the switch from it being like, oh, I'm going to make a couple of hundred pounds a week, every month to like, okay, no, this needs to become my income. I always think that's the biggest challenge. Yeah, no, when you need it to work. Yeah, you know, like that first scale up from it being like, oh, I'm getting a few sales to like, okay, no, I need to get like a lot more sales to be able to eat. <laughs> yeah. And what did you do when you re- made that realization then? So when your grandfather said like, you have a year, what what did you do? How did you take it from that kind of hobby stage I suppose a side business stage to your full-time gig yeah um so I'll also go back to the question you asked me about whether I did wholesale or not so when I quit my job I think I was doing about so whilst I was working at law I was doing about 25k in revenue so it Mm -hmm. wasn't like a big amount but it was like I was making a little bit of money that I thought there might be potential and so I think now I looked at this before I came on I think now we're doing about 180k in revenue for the last 12 months so like it was a huge jump but I think it's amazing yeah it is no it is really good I say it like quite matter of fact just because I'm a bit like oh like you know when you don't really think about it so it just becomes normal and then you're like oh wait Mm. that's that's amazing like yeah I'm really thrilled with it but for that jump from there to that the biggest thing for me I thought it would be wholesale so I started and tried to do wholesale and Mm. I just found um, and I was kind of interested to get your take on it, actually. Maybe I was going about it the wrong way, but I ended up having quite a few frustrating experiences. In what way? So I I don't want to say, well, I don't think I should say who, but I don't mind. There was, a, <laughs> <laughs> so basically I cold called like everybody and their dogs. So I literally made a spreadsheet of every gift shop or card shop in every city, like from Google. 
Mm. I made a giant spreadsheet and I literally just called everybody and like um didn't really know what I was doing didn't really have a like a great range it was just like a big catalog of everything I hadn't put it all together and then just by luck I ended up uh, cold calling like um a retail chain in London and they've got they're predominantly in London they've got about 50 stores Mm. so they're quite big and they um invited me in for a meeting so I went like with my little wholesale catalog like oh and I remember thinking like oh this is gonna be it I'm gonna go tell my granddad after this I've like I've made it big now I'm in like a big store so I managed to get in to meet them um and I remember saying like he told me the target price they wanted and for a greeting card they wanted me to be able to sell them to them for 40p mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and, and I don't really understand anything at this point I was like um and so I was like I'll um I'll come back to you I went away <laughs> well done though because a lot of people get very excited and go oh, oh okay I can probably do that <laughs> well you say this but wait yeah I didn't I did, I'm an idiot so basically I was like oh uh, I'm not sure I can do that and I remember saying to him at the meeting like no I'm not sure I'd make any profit if I did that and then um, the, <laughs> the guy it was really funny because it was so savage like the the founder of the company looked me like dead in the eyes and went like my business is my problem your business is your problem <laughs> <laughs> nice I was like, oh, right, okay then. <laughs> so I ended up finding a way that I could do it for that price. Mm. And I didn't put labor into it. And I think my first order from them was like 7,000 cards. So I literally turned my house into an Indian sweatshop. Like anybody that I'd ever met on the street once and said hi to <laughs> was in my kitchen. <laughs> Back in these cards. And obviously, I don't factor in labor. So with all of that, I think we probably made a 7p a card. It was oh, awful. Yeah. maybe like it was awful. But what made it worse as well is that I didn't know anything about retail. I didn't know you're supposed to send cards in sixes. Mm. So I just sent him like 10 boxes, like massive. I think it was 7,000 cards that were like just loose in like they were in cellar and stuff um so not only did I not make any money but then I started calling him like I want you to pay my invoice so I was feeling a little bit worried I was like I've spent a lot of money on all this stuff and like when are you going to pay my invoice and he was obviously getting quite frustrated at me because he was like listen woman you haven't even put these things in packs of six I've now got like staff here trying to bundle them all up so we didn't really get off onto the great start <laughs> and yeah. I ended up automating it and finding like you know somebody could pack them in print them and and send them so I wasn't having to like at least do any manual touching of cards but by doing that it meant that I'm only making like 3p a card and then I realized I basically ended up selling this retailer something close to 30,000 cards in the time that we worked together I think amazing because it means that they really worked for them do you know what I wasn't sure because they pasted the first 10,000 order and then the rest of the orders they did in like little blobs of like 5,000 here and there and um so I you know you just get paranoid you're like oh I don't know and also they did that thing when they lie to you and they're like you know we have to keep the price so low because we can only sell it for this and then I actually saw one of the cards in one of their stores and they were selling it from way more than they told me so I just went into it a bit naive um so yeah we did that and then I think I realized pretty early on then after that when I'd quit my job was like yeah, this wholesale thing's not really making me a lot of money because I've just sold 30,000 cards and I don't have anything close to 30,000 pounds. Like I've made about three grand, like this is ridiculous. Yeah. So it just felt quite heartbroken. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that um, when you do very, very cheeky cards, there's, you know, that kind of retailer that you were selling to is probably the perfect fit in terms of the cheekiness. (laughs) 
Yeah, I think there definitely is that as an issue in terms of like when you're doing a more cheekier product, I'm just not as mass appealing, which means that already limits like the number of shops that would be willing or able to take the cards. Yeah, I mean, they couldn't go into Sainsbury's. (laughs) I did actually reach out to Sainsbury's and I still have an email that's like, hi, Sasha, thanks very much. No. (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, i can understand that because you know the cars want kids wander around yeah it wasn't like a smart strategy it was just like a complete scattergun i was like you know if i knew you had a shop i've emailed you so do you think that was one of like that was obviously a big hurdle to get through to pull out of that and be like actually this is not making my money and change focus yeah, a little bit. It was more just, okay, so I was kind of getting a bit embarrassed because I was like, you know, my granddad's like looking at me in the eye like this woman is crazy. Like she's like jumping up and down when she's made three grand like for 30,000 cards. Like she an idiot. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, all right. And the thing that made it worse is that um, when I worked in corporate jobs, I'd had I'd actually been a buyer. So like I completely understood that I was behaving like an idiot. But it was just that thing of when it's your own thing and you're so desperate to get those first sales in. Mm. It is easy. I mean, I do think, I obviously think wholesale can work really well for cards. But I, yeah, I don't think it works very well if you are giving them away. Yeah, exactly. I think, to be honest, I agree with you. I think you are right. And I do think that wholesale can work really well from cards. And I think maybe I should be working with you after this, actually. And maybe I should just learn, like, I think the method of, like, how I went about it and who I was, like, approaching. Also, the fact that I was willing to just, like, not make any money. Like, all of yeah. it probably probably not helpful. So then... um Obviously, I was a bit like, okay, we need to sort, I need to think about this differently. And I just thought to myself, what, I'm just going to focus on B2C because I was like, at the end of the day, I can make like at least a pound per card. So mm. that already feels way nicer than three pence. So what I did was I just focused on when you're thinking about wholesale, I think that you'll know more about this than me, but it's important to kind of have more of a range and think about it cohesively. But when you're mm. selling to consumers and it is something like cards, there's, they're not going to judge you based on the range of cards they're kind of judging you based on whether that one card fits their situation yeah so absolutely. my strategy was basically to make as many cards as possible so that there isn't a situation that I don't have a card for mm. so I ended up going crazy and I ended up with like I think at the moment I've almost got a thousand designs actually wow yeah, I just um because it's you print them in house then yeah so it's really easy because I just print to demand so it's not like I have to worry about any stock issues yeah and it doesn't cost me to come up with a design and make it really because I can I've got it down to like minutes now and to list it yeah that's a bit of a ball ache but so my kind of strategy was like I make as many cards as possible and then the other thing I did was I put them on as many sales channels as possible and I know that's a bit controversial but I found that actually all I needed was eyeballs like I mm-hmm. take advantage of the market were there. So yep. I sold on Etsy, eBay, Amazon, my own website and Depop, I believe. And basically from there, it started to take off because like you get more reviews on each platform and that kind of all started to help. And I started doing organic stuff. So I started doing like Pinterest, which has been really good for me. But the mm-hmm. biggest game changer for me was uh, Facebook ads. Yeah. So I did Facebook ads to prove they don't work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My strategy is very much like I believe you should try everything and accept that it might not work. I love that. I think you should try. And if it doesn't work, you just... If you have the benefit of having the capital to do it and the time. 
I don't suggest like going into debt for it. I think basically what I did for my first year is, and like I'm very open about this, I was very lucky, but um, my the deal I made with my granddad was he gave me a loan of five grand. Mm-hmm. So I basically lived off five hundred pounds a month, and then the idea was at the end of the year, if I made it work, I'd pay him back. Um, if it didn't work, I'd just have to go back to law and pay him back. I didn't have that extra pressure because I I was able to live off like I literally just didn't leave my house and lived off like a hundred pounds. Moved back home and lived off like a hundred pounds a week. I mean, yeah. um, oh, well, that's a big thing too. You moved back home, right? So you didn't have the rent as well. Yeah, exactly. So I definitely made sacrifices, but I'm not kind of blind to the fact that I was lucky to even be able to kind of have be in that position. Mm. So I could afford to kind of like try and spend money on things. Um. So what happened? Yeah. So we did the Facebook ads. I did them with uh, Carly Stringer at Keystone Virtual. Yeah, she's brilliant. I mean, I actually am obsessed with her. She's really, really good. I was literally so cynical. I remember, <laughs> I, fact, I remember DMing her, and I was so like, "These things aren't going to work." That I like deleted my DM, but she'd already seen it, so she was kind of like, so she ended up reaching out and being like, "Oh, did you DM me?" And then I felt embarrassed. So I just pretended it was because Instagram was down. I was like, "Oh, it must have been Instagram. It wasn't me." <laughs> <laughs> have you told her that now? Yeah, no, I have. <laughs> And then um, when, because I played around with Facebook ads myself and I'd never had any real results, but it's purely because I just didn't really know what I was doing. So I said mm. to Carly, like, let's try it. Let's see if it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And we did our first campaign for Father's Day and I ended up doing 17K in revenue in three weeks. Wow. And how much did you pay for that? Uh, so what did we do so I pay obviously Carly's fee for running the ads yeah of course and I think we got it down to a ROAS of four yeah my target for her literally my target for her at the time was for every one pound I spend in advertising spend Mm. I need to have sold one card okay and how so how much would that be bring you in revenue then so for every in revenue so, so basically for every one pound of marketing spend I've made we got three pounds 70 back in revenue yeah so I think like that allowed me to make something like a pound a card at the time because okay. I wasn't very efficient but also I didn't have to pay VAT then so oh, it was okay. like so to make a pound a card was like a big deal to me so I can't remember like how much we made overall but basically it allowed it to be profitable so mm. that was kind of huge um obviously I'd gone from selling like 30 cards a day to like having you know 400 orders a day and it like broke my like living room was like at the seams and it was like again like everyone on board but um it was like something unlocked in my brain and I was like oh okay like Facebook ads can really work for us yeah um and that's become one of the largest kind of factors for our growth but I would point out that it's not come without a bunch of campaigns that have like lost money. But overall, they make you money. Yeah, exactly. So like Christmas was a massive flop for us. We ended up like just, we didn't even break even. We made a loss because it turns out that how people traditionally buy Christmas cards and like bigger packs and stuff, less people are willing to spend like more money on just buying a card for an individual, which is kind of more mm. what it is. So I just, yeah, I would definitely say that it's not a case of like you try your Facebook ads and then you've won. It's definitely a lot of being willing. And I think a lot of people probably would have, because even friends and stuff, like when I told them Christmas flop, they were like, are you stupid? And you're still paying this woman. And I was like, yeah, like this is part of the process. Yeah. Um, and I think everyone's quite quick to just be like, yeah, but if something doesn't work straight away, just to write it off, like they'd be like, we'll just stop doing Facebook ads. And I'd be like, well, 
no, that's not what it means. It just means that we either need to tweak it or we need to try a different campaign or we just know Christmas doesn't work, but we know that Valentine's Day does. So yeah, I think a lot of where I've succeeded with it has been not like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. And I think a lot of people want instant, we live in this society where we want instant gratification. Um, a lot of times and it feels like when we don't get that it's a failure but I think we just have to like you said you just have to be open-minded and keep on trying it makes complete sense though that it wouldn't work for Christmas as much too because if you're going to buy a pack of cards you can't buy a rude pack of cards because you might not want to send that to your nan yeah well yeah well please don't (laughs) (laughs) but then I mean all my cards it's not like so then like not all of my cards are are yeah however I do think though that it was a big learning for me about like you know do you want to suddenly start doing like more commercial Christmas packs and I was like do you know what not really so I was like okay well then this isn't gonna work for you and that's fine Mm. just focus I think one of the things that I've also learned to accept is like I do fairly well everyday sales but I do predominantly make my income three times a year so I'll have three times a year where I work my ass off for Christmas I mean not Christmas for Father's Day Mother's Day Valentine's Day yeah and and then the rest of the year like we just sort of like get by and we do like decent amount of everyday sales but that's not where the bulk of like where our business lies and I think once I kind of realized like that's okay that was like a massive relief because I think before I was like expecting like you have to do the same amount each month every month and I was like that just doesn't make sense like most businesses make most of their business in Q4 so it's nice for you to make it earlier in the year <laughs> yeah I'm just chilling at Christmas Although, <laughs> I do think that if you did offer wholesale you could even it out a bit well I think that's really interesting so what ended up happening for me with wholesale then is because I just stopped doing it I just kept focusing on like building my brand doing my Instagram just doing my designs doing all the different sales channels and like Pinterest which brings me loads of traffic mm. um so wasn't really thinking about it but then what I found organically was that as I started to build like my brand and whatever um I started getting a few messages like just in my dms being like oh can we stock your cards mm. and I realized that when you do it that way so that people actually end up approaching you for wholesale the dynamic is just so much better mm-hmm because they've actually asked you you don't feel like you're having to say like please buy my cards you're not coming from a point of like desperation which is probably what I was doing (laughs) you wouldn't come up from it from desperation now either maybe in the beginning you really wanted your business but if you did it now you would have a totally different approach exactly and so now it's so I've got a a couple well I've got one shop in Estonia actually and she's so lovely oh I love Um, that I'll see if I can I can't I can't pronounce her shop name it's really awkward because it's in a different language but um she's really really lovely and now she buys from us regularly and we've got to a point where it's a fair price like I'm happy with it she's happy with it she makes money I make money and um she just orders regularly and it's just been like a joy so that's kind of made me think like maybe I could revisit wholesale Mm. but I guess like this is probably what you help your clients with and where I'm missing is like when I hear the word wholesale, my immediate thought is just faff. Like, yeah. it's a lot of faff, like the invoice generation, like having a way that they can even pick their cards because I've got so many on my website. At the moment, she just writes down the ones that she wants and sends me a photo of her handwriting. It's just not very automated and easy to do. And then I just, yeah, so I think like it would be good if I was to do it again. Also making sure I've got the processes in place. Yeah, yeah. Seamless is possible yeah rather than get the order and figure it out later yeah which is kind of what I do I mean, even when she emails me now actually to be fair every time she places an order it's like a mad scramble I'm like Nanny we need to print more cards like, 
<laughs> well, that brings me to like, what what help do you have in running your business now? Um, so it is so I joke on Instagram all the time about how my grand helps me and how she's like an Indian sweatshop free <laughs> and like, but um, it is just me. Um, my grand actually has her like her own business, like, and they run it downstairs, and they let me work upstairs so sometimes when she gets bored and whatever she'll be like oh I'll help you pack cards so it's not so she is definitely I'm not paying her anything so yeah technically she is like free labor but (laughs) (laughs) I think she genuinely just does it because she gets a bit bored and we like to spend and it's like a way to spend time time together I've had my husband stuff cards when I worked in companies and he's never I mean I haven't paid him for that I mean I haven't been paid for that if I'm not getting paid for that why should it wasn't even my business but you know like if you get a big order then everyone has to take a box home exactly that's literally what it is so yeah it's all like hands on deck because I do make a lot of jokes about her being like I think somebody messaged me actually and I think they genuinely thought like you know they were worried about her welfare (laughs) I was like no I'm not not abusing her but what I do do is when it's a busy season like when it's valentine's day i think our biggest day on valentine's day we had like 800 orders in one day and because obviously we're cards we don't have any leniency of like oh we can give ourselves two days to process the orders like people need cards asap because you never know when they need it for because even with valentine's day it could be that they're seeing their partner like a bit before or whatever yeah Yeah. so it's a lot of pressure so what i do for that now is from last year is i hire some temp staff Mm-hmm. so that's obviously challenging in itself like to find the right people and like create the right atmosphere and whatever but um we managed to streamline the, the biggest like business advantage I guess for me has been also just streamlining the process like every time you do a season you realize just how many things you're doing inefficiently so each yeah. time it can just get better and better at better at making things more streamlined yeah. do you keep stock of your bestsellers already printed Uh, yeah we tend to for like a valentine's day if i know like these four cards did really well last time i know one of the options would be to go to a printer and get them done but we still print them in house but we'll just print them in advance so before this starts we've got four thousand of x card ready to go well that makes sense yeah i am curious though so like would with the fact that like my cards are so um varied and they're not like in a nice pretty range do you think that it would still be worth like instead of just hoping that shops come to me when they do actively kind of like pursuing the me approaching them I do think so but I think that you would definitely have to have a think about you know just because you have a big range on your website does not mean you have to offer all of those to a potential stockist yeah in the sense that it might actually end up being overwhelming and just a bit too much So I think that you would have to have a think about that. And, you know, there might be, you would have to have a more of a plan, I think. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, like, I think everything is doable. I just, you know, there's massive card publishers out there. It is possible. It's just how you organize it. And, of course, you'd have to just test it and see if it's worth it for you. Do you know what we might have to do? It's like, after this episode, maybe at some point, maybe I will come to you and we can have a go. And then, like, what we can do is we should, like, document the process. So, like, if we do it, yeah, how well it does or doesn't go, we should share it with everyone. I love that cool. because, like, you're so open about everything. Is, I mean, clearly it comes naturally to you to be open about things, right? I would really enjoy that just because as well, though, I the reason I kind of mentioned how much revenue I made, it wasn't like, it was because 
when I listen to podcasts, I want to know. And I get frustrated because I'm like, I don't know whether I'm like impressed by you or if I think I should listen to you if I don't know how well (laughs) you're doing or not doing. I just think it's really like helpful to just give people like benchmarks so they kind of get an idea of like, then they can make their own decision of whether they want to listen to anything you have to say or not. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I just think it's helpful. So yeah, I think we should definitely do that. That would be cool to do if you would be down for it. Absolutely. I'm always up for things like that. I think it'd be super interesting for people to, maybe we could do like an IGTV series or something. Yeah. Or we do like a live of it. Now we're planning it live here on the podcast. like a behind the scenes yeah no I think that would be really fun it'd be really interesting for me actually to like work with someone who actually like you who actually knows what they're doing when it comes to wholesale and just see like how much of a difference that makes yeah and then we can document it and uh, yeah I I guess if you guys who are listening if you want to hear about it let us know because I would absolutely love it. Yeah, I think it'd be really fun. I think we should, if we're going to do it, we can share as many juicy details as possible and be like whether it is actually profitable, whether it's not, whether it's worth it. Yeah, I think it'd be really fun. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe we need a YouTube channel. (laughs) It's so funny, I just thought that. So (laughs) we spoke, I think we stopped speaking about YouTube, didn't we? (laughs) Oh, yeah, because we, I mean, I'm very, very embarrassed, but like YouTube is my guilty pleasure completely. Although I am having a, a, I've sidestepped YouTube for Married at First Sight Australia at the moment. But, I've heard that's a good sidestep, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's freaking Elizabeth Styles' fault. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Elizabeth, I really do enjoy it, but <laughs> it's addictive. But yeah, we did connect of, uh, about YouTubers. Yeah, we did. I think I remember, I think it's that Shane Dawson does like a makeup series. And I think you were the only other person I knew in the world that had watched it. Yeah. And so I remember us getting really geeky. About that. <laughs> it was when they did the yeah, Shane Dawson, Jeffree Star makeup, uh, like filming how they did the palette. Fascinating. I think it's because they had a business angle. Yeah, that's what I found interesting. I wonder if like you're everyone listening, like whether they found it interesting too. I find like even things that aren't necessarily in an industry I'd find interesting when it has like a business angle, I'm just like really into it. I'm like, oh no, no, like you just like to know like the inner workings of like how it works. It's not often you get to be that nosy into people's businesses, to be fair. You know, you get the highlight reel a lot of times. And it's not all the highlight reel. No, and I do, I think sometimes I, like, I get frustrated with it. So, like, um, now I've got to, like, where I've got to, and I'm definitely not, like, where I want to be or doing particularly, like, super well. But what annoys me is um, sometimes I do see a lot of, kind of, the stuff online. I'm just, like, it just feels very, like inauthentic when we're Mm. constantly saying like oh this win happened and this win happened whereas like sometimes like I do think it's helpful to just be honest and be like yeah you know I did mess up this wholesale thing and I did only make 3p a card just because I feel like otherwise you can get the sense that everyone's doing like a lot better than you and you can feel very imposter syndrome and actually like that's not the case yeah I think it's so true and you know if you instead did a highlight reel of that you would have said within my first year of really pushing my business I was in 50 stores and I sold them 30,000 cards yeah, do you know how good that sounds <laughs> it like, sounds I was amazing <laughs> like, <laughs> do you know what it's really funny because my friends would send me like pictures of my cards they'd be like you made it and I'd be like yeah but then inside I'd be like no (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah I completely get that it's just 
Yeah, you could definitely do the highlights of things. And I think that the highlights of things is good f- to a certain extent, but it's not good for other business owners. I mean, it's good for consumer confidence, I suppose, I guess. Yeah, that's true. And I guess, to be honest, like your priorities, your own customers, isn't it? Like you're not in business mm. to like make other business owners feel better, I guess. No, but I think that this community, you know, we should be more open with each other. It's something I realized a lot this year that I'm not talking about all the things that I feel worried about talking about so I started talking more about diversity and yeah it's scary like I don't know anything so it's pretty scary (laughs) (laughs) but like I realized that you know we have to talk about these things and if we stop that's an even scarier situation yeah I agree I really respect that actually when you started like I noticed that you started to talk more about diversity and things because I know topics like that like they're difficult aren't they and from the moment you feel a bit uncomfortable because you're like, I'm gonna say the wrong thing mm. but I think it's way better to try and even have the conversation than not so I did really respect that actually well I feel like because like I never consider my own skin color very much because I was raised in a white family mm-hmm. and someone asked me so Vanessa from high 15 one of the first conversations we had on DM she was like uh do you call yourself a person of colour? And I was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I guess I do. <laughs> and then I realised that no one else is seeing my me, like, you know, talking about that I am actually a person of colour either. And I realised that most people I hang out with didn't really even take that into account. Um, yeah, I kind of, it's, it's strange, isn't it? Because you're like, you've got to remember that just because kind of your experience, it made no, it didn't feel as though it made any difference either way Mm. you just have to remember that that what I had to remember at least was that that's not the case for everybody else no and absolutely how do you how has that affected you actually because yes you obviously took the I don't want to say traditional but what was expected of you the Indian route of studying law um yeah I think I kind of went through like the just a small because my family aren't like evil or like very strict or whatever Mm. um but I did go through kind of just that pressure of like I want to make them proud I want to do the right thing which is kind of why I did law because I just really wanted to make them like really pleased it wasn't Mm. like anybody said that you have to but it was just kind of like if I did this I knew I could make him like really happy yeah um it was kind of that and it wasn't yeah so I think there was definitely an element to it but also what I found is that even when I do cards, I did get a lot when I used to tell people, like, oh, I'm going to do cards. They were like, oh, cool. Like, that would be really good for, like, other Indians. Like, you're going to do Indian cards. And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm just going to do cards and sell them on the internet. But I did find that, like, it was a bit, it was just a funny little observation. Like, when I tell people like, I'm going to sell, like, cards, like, a lot of people just assumed, like, oh, so you're going to make niche cards for Indians. I was like, no, why would I do that? It was, yeah, I think that was just quite, like, a funny thing that I noticed. But when um, all of the kind of Black Lives Matter stuff kicked off, one Mm. of the things that I really thought about was that I don't necessarily feel as though, uh, what am I trying to say? Let me think about how to say this. I guess what really came across for me is that one of the things I think it is, is that sometimes it's just that everybody's so in their own bubble that a lot of the time people don't tend to connect with people that aren't like them and not necessarily consciously. It's just kind of your kind of tend to hang or gravitate to people that are similar Mm. to you. So one of the things that I kind of realized is that, you know, I have um, quite a uh, diverse audience, but also um, I have quite a white audience. And I thought that one of the things that would be cool to do is that some of the kind of 
black owned independent brands that I follow I've just tried to be a bit more conscious of kind of shouting them out a bit more but only because like I genuinely think they're great but it's also just thinking about like just any brands that you like just giving them the opportunity to be in front of people that wouldn't already know them so I kind of I think that's like one of the best things it's just the case of like I don't think it's necessarily an intentional choice I think it's just that a lot of the time people don't like you you haven't been exposed to certain brands yeah no I completely agree and I think that you know that's what's so good with like Black Pound Day and or whatever um, whichever campaign that has come out of this you know that we we do make active active like choices to try to shout out and promote um, businesses black owned businesses and other minority owned businesses yeah because I've just like during like when all that happened like I just became aware of a lot more businesses and then like I just didn't know existed and I was just like oh yeah these are actually really cool like yeah I will buy this because I like it That's yeah it. but it was just the case of like I never knew this business was around so yeah did you not like I loved that you know when everyone was shouting out businesses I discovered so many new businesses that I really like literally I went like on a spending free like a free and like (laughs) but also it's been really nice because like a few of these businesses now and I buy from regularly and it's just been really nice to like discover new products and be like oh I really love this I wouldn't have like known about this before and it's just been quite Mm -hmm. I think yeah it was a really nice like community spirit it didn't feel like we were yelling it so they were being like, why haven't you done this? It was just really nice and celebratory and like, this is a really cool business. What about this? What about this? Yeah, I really yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. What do you think? But I, I guess because you haven't really gone down the trade show route and stuff like that, I guess, um, you haven't seen, but the card industry is very white. Interesting. Um, So I have quite a controversial opinion on trade shows, which I'm kind of interested because obviously you, I've never done one. I've been to one, but I've always felt that for cards, or at least for my situation, it would be interesting if we do work together and then maybe this will be something I get proved wrong on. <laughs> I've always felt like with um, with internet, I have kind of, and this might just be how my brain works, but I've been kind of like, I don't understand why I need a trade show because I do sometimes think that trade shows can be quite prohibitive in terms of like the price they are and I think if you only have low uh, margin like low yeah price exactly. if I was selling like I don't know lamps luxurious lamps or anything where like the margins were a bit higher but with the cards being such low margin mm. I've always felt like a bit unsure of trade shows but were you kind of saying that more just generally when you get to trade shows they're just not very I um, think card publishing as an industry here in the UK is fairly white owned and geared towards the white consumer I think it's hard it's a bit challenging so I've spoken to Georgina from AfroTouch Designs on the podcast before and you know she has black people on her card she doesn't only have black people on her card she also has butterflies you know it's not like that's her the only audience she cares for at all but it's just you know before this movement she it was hard to get retailers to listen has it made a difference did she find that it made a difference oh yeah I think so because she now she's stocked in waterstones and i think that's really made a difference so she's the first oh, black card publishers stocked in waterstones see i think that's really huge um but i also feel as though i would my advice would be to them in that situation like and this is probably where i'm wrong but i'd be like who cares like in that situation i would be like 
direct to go to consumer first yeah build a brand there and then they'll have no choice and i think she's had her business for years now so she's definitely been selling direct to consumer it's just that her cards are hand finished with african wax print fabrics so they're very tactile and i think that it's very different to sell them online as having them seen in a store you know normal cards that doesn't have like as many finishes is probably easier to sell just and build just online whereas cards that are hand finished and you know or have some sort of special finish to them they're so much better in person yeah no it's true like you just can't give the like the detail justice online can you no it's really hard so but it's i think it's good you know i think that there's many white card publishers that are now including a much more you know, when they have people on their cards, they include more diverse people on the cards. Yeah, you know what? that would be nice to see more of in yeah. shops, at least. Because I know you can always get that online. But yeah, I think that's huge. Because I think like, I know it's, well, I was going to say it seems silly, but it doesn't seem silly, actually. Like when you do go buy a card, it would be nice to see more diversity of like people on the card. Yeah, and then that is an active choice we have to make as an industry, both when it comes to the illustrators, regardless of your skin color, you have to illustrate if you have people on it you have to have lots of different types of people on there and if you are a shop owner you have to be willing to buy in those things and then the the, I think the consumers are there because they just used to having to go to online but they're actually you know if it was in the shops I still think people would buy it I am I hope so I do hope I hope so yeah (laughs) maybe not in every single area in the country but you know more so than it is now at least I think it would be nice just to see a little bit more diversity and the like backs of cards when you're like you're choosing a card for your friend to see like you know I just think that would be nice for everyone yeah and you know like your friends and family were like oh you're gonna make Indian cards you know that that wasn't you know that not just people that made Indian cards for example celebrated all the Indian um, occasions yeah exactly. so they were more widely available yeah I think that would be nice so that it wouldn't just be such a niche thing like for thinking although to be fair I've noticed that like in um saying is it Sainsbury's Clinton's have started doing some cards for like Asian festivals and things which are quite nice one of the things that did irritate me though was that everyone kind of just assumed that because I was a brown person who was setting up a card business that naturally you really I would just be making like really religious Indian cards and it couldn't yeah. be further from what, what I'm doing like at all. like it couldn't be any more like opposite and everyone would just assume like yeah, so you're going to make really good religion. I'm like, but why? Like, when in our interactions have I given you any indication that I'm super religious? It was just kind of this thing that just suddenly got popped <laughs> me as to like, you're going to make really good, like good little Indian girl cards. And I'm like, I'm really not. <laughs> <laughs> and then they see your cards. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Maybe you should always carry around samples and be like, no, this is what I do. <laughs> <laughs> of like the worst one. <laughs> yeah no but um so you you mentioned facebook ads and that was a lot of trial and error what have you done with pinterest to grow that because i feel like everyone's asked that pinterest is so good but what did you actually do yeah let me hopefully i can like this will be help helpful to people because actually i think that what I did is I ended up doing a one person's Pinterest course, I can't remember who it was. Then I did loads of my own reading and then I did somebody else's course. And I think I added them together in my brain and tested it for ages and then made my own little strategy. The biggest thing that I could say about anyone who wants to find success in Pinterest is 
you have to do a bit of work initially but then you can build something that just kind of grows itself so Mm. what I found is like stop I mean I'm sure like you're everyone already knows this but like just treat it like a search engine like stop trying to treat it as anything that should be attractive or pretty or just stop just solely treat it as like a search engine um and also the biggest game changer for me was pinning my competitors products oh okay I feel like everybody thinks like that's like well to be honest when I first like decided to start doing it I was like Sasha you're an idiot like you're literally just going to give more sales to your competitors but when um, I really started doing it I was like oh because basically what it's about is it's about using so say okay so for me I'm a greeting card business so I had to start with I made like 30 different boards of Hmm. like one board was like funny anniversary cards. The other book card was like anniversary card for him, anniversary card for her. So like so many variations within the same topic, for instance. So mm. let's say I had like three or four just anniversary card boards, different names. Um, then the first things you need to do is Pinterest needs to learn what your product is and what your pin is. So if you can pin competitor products that come under that search, then Pinterest mm. learns that, oh, We've already pinned these products that I know are this. So by you putting them on the board, that allows me to know that this board is for funny anniversary cards because you've already pinned cards from competitors that Pinterest knows. So then when, so you have to do that first because then when you start to add your own pins, Pinterest is like, oh, well, she's pinned this pin onto this board with pins that I already know are funny anniversary cards. So hers must be a funny anniversary card too. Um, and once I started thinking about it completely differently it was like game changing for me so what I did is I set up like all of these boards where I would say to start with it was like 50% other people's products and then put mine own on and started chucking them in and turn and then I used Tailwind yep um, but with Tailwind I know like people do it like I just think your people aren't lazy enough so like how I do it is like very lazily and um, once my boards are like super full so I've got like you know 50 pins on each board I just loop them um I don't function I literally just um schedule my pins the same pins again does that make sense yeah yeah like literally I on my tailwind I think I pin like 40 pins a day and from looping yeah and I think I spend and like I know people are like super scared like what if Instagram stops you but when you've got so many boards and so many pins it doesn't come across as spammy because you're doing so much and you're pinning other people's stuff as well that it just doesn't register as like spam because it's like so spaced out yeah of course yeah I literally spend two hours on Pinterest a month and I've got something like I get three million views and I would say wow. I get about 80, let me check my stats actually, uh, uh, but basically 80% of my organic traffic comes from Pinterest and I would say that I get something like 150 to 100 visits a day just from Pinterest. Wow, that's and, so good. Yeah, so like I, I'm saying this to say like um, do it because <laughs> I do think well, two hours per day that's amazing uh, a month that is yeah, so good. It's, it's really good and it's kind of where I've got it and um, I started this page recently called uh, marketing hunt on Instagram because I wanted to share some of like the more real sides to running a business and I keep thinking like I need to do a way to tell other people about the Pinterest strategy that I use because I think there's so much like fancy courses and 
like loads of great stuff but I just think that if you can find like a lazier way of doing it that isn't as shiny but it's more effective which is what I feel like I've been doing I'm like I kind of just want to tell everybody about it because I just yeah. think like it would just be beneficial um but I always feel silly when I'm trying to explain to somebody because it sounds so counterintuitive to what they've already heard so they're like oh yeah like that's nice Sasha but I'm just gonna do it the way that somebody else told me and it's one of those things where you don't want to be that psychopath that's like no just trust me <laughs> Well, it's clearly working for you. So I'm sure people would be super interested in hearing it. Yeah, I don't know how to do it. I was thinking like maybe a course, but I just like, oh, that's just a lot of effort. But I just like, I feel like I've got this golden thing and I just want to give it out. I mean, you're a talker, right? Could you not do a webinar and just list it on your website? Yeah, maybe. I just feel like, I always just assume that people are just not going to believe me. I'm just like, listen. No, but you can, I mean, if you're really open, you could just do a webinar when you share your screen and talk through what you've yeah, done. Yeah, I might do that actually um I might do that because and I think people would love that and you know if, if you're happy to share your stats on it they can decide themselves whether they should take your tips yeah, or no, not that's actually a really good way of doing it I think I will do that because I just find that I'm a bit too lazy to do all of the hype I just kind of want to get straight to like the bullet yeah and you can do like the whole thing you can people can sign up for it and then you you know then you can just have it as a product listed on your website do it. yeah do you know that's a really good shout I might do that actually but I think that's kind of one of the things I'm really passionate about is just that I know that a lot of what the business advice out there is even for consumer mainly for consumer brands is very like you know build your Instagram and build your community and that's 100% the right thing to do and I think a lot of people are a lot better at that than me and I'm getting better mm -hmm. at it but I always want to remind people that I managed to get from 25k to 180k in revenue without mm -hmm. any of that stuff like I did it via all the boring stuff that no one really like talks about like you know selling on different sales channels doing Pinterest optimization running Facebook ads um and so I just sometimes feel like that message like could be beneficial from people to do as well as or whilst they're getting their community to where they want it to be yeah yeah I a hundred percent I think you can have your shiny pretty Instagram but you know if other things can convert more why not well yeah like I know and I've seen people nail Instagram and actually make way more money just because they built such a great following which is genuinely amazing and maybe more of where I'd like to be but I do think like if those people then also did some of the other stuff like they just have more and it, I, I suppose that that what we're judging now is that people want to have more and some people might not want to have more oh yeah no completely but also I find that it's just pay, peace of mind you know like you've got backup stuff yeah yeah absolutely if you know how to do it you know how how to make that money you can always regulate how much you spend on ads if you're having a you know if it's school holidays and you actually don't really want to make any sales you can just pause your Facebook ads oh yeah of course like when it was I can't remember what season it was but like uh, we had some family stuff like somebody wasn't well I just turned off the ads yeah so yeah you are always in control also actually before I go I did want to say if anybody is like interested in like ad stuff Carly's doing a course that she's putting out soon to, for people oh, to yeah, learn how that. to do the Facebook ads themselves and I should have done that course like back when I was doing ads maybe I was hiring Carly now and I'd just be doing it myself so it is worth if anybody's interested in like learning about ads. that might be out actually when um when this podcast goes live and if it is I'll um I'll link to it otherwise I'll link to Carly awesome in the show notes 
depending on when he, when she launches because I'm not sure when she's launching it. Yeah, she needs to get her act together. Carly, listen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, by the, hopefully she has by the time we... <laughs> this goes out I don't know I thought she was doing it soon <laughs> yeah I, I'm, I'm really not sure but maybe by the time this goes out we will have started our wholesale web series yeah maybe this uh, maybe this wholesale web series will go out straight after the podcast <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's in the show notes too <laughs> it might be depends on how organized we are I guess but yeah um so what is next what are you planning for christmas now you're not doing the christmas park thing what is your plan honestly not a clue is the truth of it um i'm gonna be no we've got a really solid christmas range i'm really pleased with so i'll be putting that out but i'm not sure that we'll be doing any ads behind it so um i don't know it might just be a bit like a slightly more chilled out time yeah but yeah it'll be interesting to see like because i've definitely got some solid designs so it'll be interesting i start doing like my pinterest stuff for christmas um and it'll just be interesting to see kind of like what happens organically so i'm kind of excited actually to see how it goes well that sounds great and what what is your goal like for next year and beyond what what do you want this business to be for you i don't know um i so I'd like, well, I'd like us to continue to be or become the world's greatest card company because I've just decided that's what we are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Amazing, as you do. I would definitely like us to grow. I'd like to be able to reach a bigger audience because I think once people buy from us once, they're usually quite happy with the service that will come back. So it's just getting enough people to kind of come to us for that first time. So I'm looking forward to kind of focusing on kind of growing that side of stuff. But then I'm also quite interested of like doing more on this marketing hun page thing, just because I want to be able to share like all of the stuff that I've learned and hopefully like help. It's just quite fun, isn't it? You know, when like you see other people start to like grow off like and, and you think that you can help with like certain bits and telling them of what. Yeah, it's just quite fun, isn't it? So I've definitely been enjoying like putting more stuff out there. That's great. I, I love that. And it's, you know, if we all share, that's how we all grow and yeah I love that I think it's a such an important thing and such a good thing to do and I I guess if you grow your business much further you're going to need another employee and you might have to give up your title some months (laughs) so yeah every month I make myself (laughs) I mean like I think for September you did it in the beginning of September like the 5th of September and I think like my mum messaged me and she's like Sasha it's five days in I was like yeah I'm just no I'm onto a good I'm onto a good run this month (laughs) I would yeah I definitely would love if by this time next year we've grown to a point that I can hire somebody full-time just to do Mm. like the orders the listings like a lot of that stuff that would be like that's when you know like I've made it yeah and then you can focus on the growth and and the designs and stuff yeah and like the create more creative bits that would definitely make me happy let's see then I guess they will have to follow you I'm sure you will share it all over on Instagram (laughs) yeah the day that I'm not like employee of the month is probably when I've made it I mean like that will be such an achievement so you could probably give up your title yeah I think then it'll be worth it maybe you could be boss of the month then oh I love that but how eager to <laughs> that? can you imagine people think that I've already got a massive ego here I'm employee of the month <laughs> <laughs> like boss of the month I mean employer employee and employer of the month oh, I like that <laughs> I feel like that yeah you could take this much further 
<laughs> You've probably just created a monster now. So yeah. <laughs> well, I I for one look forward to the day that you're a, a boss of the month. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Before we finish, would you share where pe- people can find you and buy from you and all that? Well, of course. Thank you. Uh, if you would like to follow us on Instagram, it's at cheekyzebra.com. Spell dot so d o t c o m, uh, and then if you're interested in any of like the Pinterest stuff or uh, any of that, I've got an Instagram account called at Marketing Hun. Um, so yeah, it'd be nice to meet you. Brilliant! Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing so openly. I think this is going to be great for other, especially I think for other card publishers that may be not as far ahead as you are. But all other business owners in general too. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoy like just talking about stuff like this and having a giggle. So yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Sasha, for coming on the podcast. It was so much fun to have a chat. We haven't really gotten around to doing our whatever it will be, whether it will be on YouTube or on Instagram or wherever it will be. But we are talking about it in the background and it's something that we are hoping to do in the future. The timing hasn't been quite right yet, but um, we hope to bring that to you. If it's something you would be interested in hearing, we would love to know and kind of gauge whether it's just us thinking it's super interesting or not. So drop us a little message and tell us if you want to hear us working on Sasha's wholesale together and to really show you the behind the scenes. As I said previously, the podcast this season will have quite a few more solo episodes and there will be a mix between guest episodes and solo episodes. I will be back next Monday with another episode and I hope that you have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for listening. Mm